Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and now I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as DT. Welcome back to the show for the first time this year, Jep. Pete, it's great to be back, and let's talk some footy. How excited am I? Well, who knows what this season we're in for. It's like, it's like almost we're going to a game of... Do you watch Survivor on TV? I do. We're I do. all going to a game of Survivor. And it's going to be, we could get voted out in week one, or we could be on the podium making fire on the, on the final few to try and win overall title. But this season could be full of anything, Chip. Yeah, look, it, it, we, don't, we don't know what's installed, but um, at the end of the day, everyone's got the same cards that are um, going to be dealt. We just need to play in the best we can. Um, yeah, I think we all know what's coming. It's just um, how we handle it through the season is going to be different, isn't it? So, so when you think about that a little bit more, I, I, I'm not too sure if you play poker, but I play poker and follow uh, the World Series of Poker when it's online, so I watch all that. And it's just the the main event in the World Series of Poker, it's an absolute grind. It goes over like 10 days, yeah? And it's like you know, 10, 12 hours a day. And it's, an, it's a brutal grind. But you know what? Nobody plays perfectly. Everyone's going to get that situation where they think they get it in good, but they cop a bad beat. So that's yeah. why I'm trying to relate this back to the AFL season that we're going to be a part of this year from a fantasy perspective, is that we're going to get a bad beat throughout the year and nobody's going to play perfectly. So my thought process is, based on that, is that, you know what, we can might even be a little bit more conservative to start off the year and, one, just let others make the mistakes. So that might actually be a little bit of an edge, I think, Jeff. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, look, it, it, it's... It goes different ways. I think that the biggest, um, there's a luck involved, and that's the element. And yeah. same with poker. There's an element of luck, and there's going to be an element of luck um, with fantasy. So playing conservatively has its, obviously, positives. But, you know, I'm a high-risk, high-reward guy. Let's um, let's get ahead. And, and I think the past winners have gotten ahead real early yep. by making the big calls early too. So let's see if we can read between the lines and, and make that jump start. Now, thinking about fixtures, and obviously we think players are going to miss games. So at this stage, the way I can see it happening is that if a player tests positive for COVID, it's going to be at least one game. Now, it's potentially two games. So if you're thinking that one and a half games, that gives gives us a bit of an insight to where we think uh, our season will go if one of our players we've got in our team does test positive. Now... Now, if you think about fixturing and how tight this season is going to be for the AFL, now, the one thing that I can tell you right now, Jeff, is that the AFL are are jamming in for time, right? This season is going to be completed on time, and it has to be. Now, I'll, I'll throw in the has to be for one major reason, right? So the cricket, the T20 World Cup cricket is coming to Australia at the end of the year. Now, the MCG, the first game for the MCG is the 23rd, I believe, October. So therefore, that gives three weeks, post-grand final, thereabouts, right, for that cricket wicket to be installed. So they'll dig up an hour after the grand final. That that pitch will be dug up and in, in place, yeah? So, and then they've obviously got to grow the grass around it and fix up the turf and, you know, be ready for a World Cup. So the MCG cannot postpone their grand final at any stage whatsoever if they're playing the grand final at the MCG. So, therefore, if you relate it back to fantasy, man, the, the, the AFL have got one week up their sleeves, and that's the buy-in between this home and away season and the finals. So, therefore... 
when you've laid it back to fantasy, are we going to get fixture delays and and things like that? I don't think we are. The AFL are going to jam this season in. Now, if they really have two teams that are um, struggling for to fill a team, therefore um, they're going to get top-ups, which we believe is going to happen. But, you know, fixture delays, I think, would probably, you know, it might be like last year or the year before when Essendon and Melbourne had to um, take a bye on the day, I think it was, and then they moved back that back to a later date. So that's our worst case scenario that we're going to get a one-week delay. So it might be like two teams can't play a game. Okay, that's your buy. You've just had your buy, and they'll, they'll, they'll rework the fixture from there, So which might be a little bit complicated from our point of view with regards to fantasy and when the buy period's in. So keep that in mind. But I think, you know what, they're going to get this season in, and they're going to jam it in, and they have to because the AFL are on a timeline for the grand final day because you've got the Cricket World Cup at the MCG and obviously other venues straight after it. What are you thinking there, Chip? Look, I think of it from a money point of view that they can't afford to um, to delay games from, from the televised and, and the deals of Channel 7 and the like. So games are going ahead. Yes, the top-up players are there. I think... If the NBA fans out there who are listening, it will be a very similar model to what's happening in the NBA right now. Um, you know, there's been a plural of top-up players, and it's been great for, for some. Um, former South East Melbourne Magic, uh, South East Melbourne Phoenix player Keeper Sykes has got a full contract with mm. the Indiana Pacers. So there'll be some waffle, some sandfall, some VFL players coming through. Don't be surprised, but. You know, the depths of, of each side, who's got the deepest list, that could hold them pretty good for uh, for finals and and beyond this season. So, yeah, lots of interesting things to play out, but I, I think we can pretty much put our house on that game's going ahead no matter what. And uh, well, we'll take a catastrophe, of course, but games are going ahead, yep. and um, and us as fantasy coaches need, need to acknowledge that and, and play within that. So I think, yeah, obviously anything unforeseen, which is quite strange after seeing anything unforeseen happen the last couple of years. But, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, with games are going ahead. Um, from a player's perspective outside the AFL system, it's an opportunity. Now, what I think the potential is going to happen is they're going to go with the pool of players, so therefore one player could play for one team this week and then switch over to another team in a couple of weeks. So potentially maybe a 10-day contract or a 7-day contract and then you're available for every other team, But pretty much if they're struggling to cover um, spots in a game. So some games, if we're just talking generally footy, could be maybe not so good this year, but from a fantasy perspective, let's hopefully we can get through it. All right. Now, just on that, so is there any edge that we can take out of it? So for me, I've had a bit of a think about it. I think the obvious one here for me is that um, 16 teams have pretty much been affected by COVID throughout the preseason, and there are two teams that pretty much have not. So, And they're the WA teams, Jeff. That's where you're from. So you're pretty much uh, blocked off from the rest, rest of um, Australia, and you're pretty much COVID okay at the moment. So that means your players are okay, but once they start playing games or whatever, who knows how that's going to play out. Now, for me, you know, I think uh, avoiding WA players early in the season at least so we can get some grasp on, you know, how things evolved might be a bit of an edge. What are your thoughts there? Hey, you bang on. We, uh, we must have this te- telepathic uh, thought process. No, you're, if we're going to play, play the game... Um, and look, ice again. I'm going to relate back to basketball a little bit. Apologies, but the Perth Wildcats, they left WA on their first road trip, and within seven days, 
12 of the 15 players in their squad had COVID. Yeah. Now, imagine that this is where the AFL are probably sweating bullets because imagine if that sort of percentage, 70% of players got COVID within a week from one side, then we've got a real issue. Um, so, no, that that is a realistic um, strategy and a, and a really good one. I um, There is one player I, I really want from a WA team um, yeah. that I'm not budging on yet, but um, he'll probably be out of my side come round one. So... Uh, and it was the AFLW Eagles team win that scenario there last week, I believe. So um, obviously, you know, obviously nobody wants to catch COVID or whatever, but still at this stage is it, you know, you're going to be missing games. So we just need to try and take this from a from an edge point of view. Obviously not a COVID discussion, but how do we take advantage of that from our point of view? Now, the way I thought about, you know, you're probably talking about Campbell Chesser because you obviously big on him throughout the preseason, if I am correct in saying that, for West Coast. Correct, absolutely. So my thought process there, if you're thinking about players, now, I think if it's a if it's a cheap, under like somebody under 300K, I still think you potentially take that risk because you still, it's against the risk-reward. So you, need, you actually need that player in to generate some money in, in your salary. So I think a player under 300K, K is okay, but if we're talking about a player like Andrew Brayshaw, yeah, he could score well this year, but, I mean, you, you potentially got, you know, 30 or 40 other players that can average the same as what he can, you know, and then you might get 10 of those who can potentially match the scoring that he does if he has a good season. But when we're talking about Lockett Campbell Chesser, you know, how many people in that back line are going to be making the coin that he potentially is going to make? Not many, yeah? So I think yep. we do make allowances for those players under 300k. What do you think in there, Jeff? Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. But the other thing is with a rookie price player, you can swing him on the bench. Like it doesn't hurt to have Campbell Chester on the bench for one week versus having Andrew Brayshaw on the bench for one week. You know, like that's a, that's a huge contrast in the early rounds of the season. So, um, yeah, look, I'm still playing with my team, trying to, trying to maximise it. For me, about the Chester argument is more just dollars, you know. It's all about trying to spending 268-odd grand on Chesser is um, is what I'm getting at more than anything. But, no, it's primo versus rook. If you're going to go a WA rook, it's it's not the end of the world, but the primo WA players are, are an issue for sure. Yeah. So just another one on, on the COVID protocols. So for me, uh, obviously, the WA players was one. So the second one for me, Jeb, is avoiding teams that are in airports a lot. You know what? It's every other team but our Victorian teams. So uh, I'm not saying airports are any issues or whatever, but it just, you know, if we're talking about it like a half a percent or one percent or two percent. Yeah, it's that yeah, extra risk, isn't it? Yeah, so why not take advantage of that? So then all of a sudden we narrow narrow our focus down into Victorian teams. What do you think of that? <laughs> Look, I think that that's probably um, stretching it to try and make a decent balanced side just from Victorian sides or teams is, is tough, um, especially with the value that's presented amongst... All uh, all players at the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I'm just I'm more worried about the WA teams of and a, you know learning what happened with the AFLW sides and the Perth Wildcats and and the like. So yeah, look, it's it's definitely a strategy, and I've been huge like really excited for this year for fantasy um, and doing a lot of research and a lot of um, listening of um, of content and 
and not not one sort of um, mention of of COVID and the WA teams and how it's going to affect us going forward. So, and how how the game really deals with it. You know, how, is is there a third trade or is it on averages or can it even be on averages that, that early? So. Yeah, there's a lot to think about. So if you want to de-risk the situation, it's probably best to avoid the WA players. So, uh, again, as I pretty much say in every podcast, you've got to make necessary changes as news comes to hand. And this, Jeb, will be a highly fluid season in 2022. And obviously updates, of course, on AFL Ratings Network. So I'll be all over that once news pops off anywhere to you know just let everyone know. Now, the other thing that I sort of picked up um, over just before Christmas period and into January was that teams stopped announcing players getting COVID, yeah? So yeah. my feeling was in early December, you know what, teams are going to let us know, we're going to be all under control. But, you know, a few weeks after that, there was just no announcements. Okay, it was on the news, but now it's just like, okay, there's just, you know, health and safety protocols, not even referencing COVID, which is okay. But you know what? If you relate that into when teams are announced, you know, and then if teams aren't announcing players in pre-season that are, you know, sidelined due to COVID at this stage, you know, what are we going to cop in the middle of the season? So my feeling is that, you know, we could land on Thursday nights and, okay, we've got 30 players out for COVID. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. that's just like, we are playing Russian roulette this year. I'm sorry to use that term, but that's pretty much what we're going to go with. You know, those Thursday teams, I'm telling you, as the hottest piece of news each week for the entire season. And not only that, once we get through Thursday teams, you're not even guaranteed your players are going to play. What are you thinking there, Jeff? Yeah, I was just about to say that. What about the late outs? <laughs> so, you know, I can see... Nuts. Um, totally yeah, nuts. Mitch Duncan goes and has a coffee at Geelong, you know, on the strip there, and, um, oh, yeah, that's a hot spot. Health and safety protocols out. You know, that yeah. that, that is cat- catastrophic. So... Unfortunately, we don't know how the fantasy game is going to deal with that. And I'm sure there's the brain stress behind it are thinking hard about it. And I, look, if it, it would be nice to know before the season how we are going to handle it. And to me, it's that extra trade or, or not, um, or however it may be played out. But ultimately, I think, you know, we say it every year, but this is probably the most important year, is, is um, team depth, even at round one. Hmm. You know, everyone's, I can hear strategies about guns and rooks and I can hear strategy about the uh, the mixer or the, the magnitude of mid-prices. Um, for me, every player you pick, bench, on-field, it is critical because there is going to be a plural of changes constantly, as you just said. And we don't know what's coming. Yeah, that's right. So what we're talking about here, and we're recording this podcast on Monday night, uh, January 31, um, and obviously, again, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. In March, when we're doing our pods, Jeb, and we, we could be talking about, you know, who knows what. So uh, it's a fluid situation, so just try and be up to date on the news. Um, I think at some stages when you're trying to build a team, I think actually the spreadsheet... Uh, wins at some stage with regards to players of value i think that wins over you know potential other strategies from a COVID point of view um, and you don't really want to tip the scales in in one direction or another and yeah just keep an eye on that wa situation so where that plays out 
Um, so we're recording three pods tonight, so we're going to split them out throughout the week. Um, and pretty much our first three pods are just going to be a general chat. So we're not drilling down on anything like like that at this stage. We will get to that later in the preseason. So it's just, you know, it's just, but we haven't chatted for a while. So, you know, pretty much we're inviting you into our chat to start the season off. All right, so we're going to jump topics now, thankfully, and we're going to talk about um, new coaches and changes in strategy from certain teams. So obviously we've got a few new coaches in the AFL, so I'm just going to talk about Carlton here a little bit, Jet. So Michael Voss comes in as senior coach. So from what I've been able to extract uh, from news and, and press conferences, etc., is it expect a very high focus on the midfield of Carlton and contested type game plan. So, you know, when we think about Sam Walsh, do we go Sam Walsh again? Patrick Cripps is, is showing value there when you check him into a spreadsheet. Um, Adam Chera, that's one player I'm really interested, interested in, but I don't think many people are. So... I think it's those three. Maybe have a bit of a look at Hewitt. You know, there's Williams go off half back. There's a couple other players there. But yeah, for me, Michael Voss, straight out of a midfield coach position at Port Adelaide. He's obviously an outstanding midfielder himself back in his career. I think there's a real focus on it, this midfield, Jep. And you know what? All the data points from Carlton from previous years under Teague and, and Bolton and that, just throw them out. They just actually mean absolutely nothing. Obviously, we've got a scoring uh, data point for players. I think they'll hold pretty true. Um, but you know what? From a from a focus point of the Carlton midfield, I think there's a really, you know, we could see some pretty decent numbers coming out of Carlton. And Patrick Cripps coming off a pretty decent preseason so far, showing value. I think he's a player of interest. What do you think of any one of those? Yeah, look, it, you're definitely spot on with the contested game plan. Um, and you look at who they recruited too. So George Hewitt in the off season, um, that tackling mid that can do a job or get his own ball. So there's interesting ploys. I can see a lot of tackle numbers, a lot of congested footy from Carlton, and then a big spread. Um, so yeah, very, very much a um, targeting those value mids from Carlton. And to me, it's it's Cripps and Hewitt. Yeah. So what we what um, Michael Voss was last year, obviously midfield coach at Port Adelaide, and you see, you know, obviously it's based on the player having a, a really breakout year like Ollie Wines did, but the numbers were awesome from a fantasy perspective. So yeah. I, I I can imagine one of these players in the Carlton midfield going off this year, Jet. Yeah, and look, if we're a bit, look, and the announcement yesterday of the current captaincy, was it today maybe, um, with Patrick Cripps being the sole captain, I take a lot out of that. I take a lot out of that um, appointment, and that tells me what Vossi wants and, and how Cripps has to play. And look, Cripps in the past has probably not been the. Um, What's the word I'm probably looking for? Maybe a bit political, but he, he can be lazy at times and he probably got away with it with previous Busty. coaches. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But try look Vossi in the eye and say, Vossi, I didn't give him my all. He will beat you like a, yeah, he, yeah. he won't end nicely for I understand So, what you're saying, yeah, yeah it, there's the attitude change that Carlton is coming. For sure. The appointment of, of Michael Voss is fantastic. Yep. And and we again as fantasy coaches need to acknowledge this. And I just think of Vossi as a as a player and what? what he wants from his players. So yeah, lot coming. Lot good lot of good coming. Um but yeah, the two for me are Cripps and Hewitt. Yeah, I don't mind Chera having a look at what he can do in that preseason. And Walsh I don't mind again. Um to, to go around again because he, he was at a pretty decent level last year. 
And man, if that Carlton midfield gets better, I can imagine you know a Carlton midfielder, a Carlton midfield that's at a high level, and you got Sam Walsh in there just running around doing whatever he wants. So, you know, what, you know, it's not out of the realms of possibility that Walsh goes even bigger this year, Jeff. Yeah, potentially. I think it's it's about the consistency of the team. So there's going to be some teething problems with with the side. So if we think of Port Adelaide, you know, two, three years ago, maybe three, four years ago even, uh, there'll be some up and downs. Um, And that's where stalwarts like Cripps and Hewitt are just a bit safer and they both present value with with their price. All right, the next team, Collingwood, my team. So uh, obviously Nathan Buckley out last year through the middle of the year and Craig McRae into into senior coach role. So what I've been able to get out of um, McRae press conferences, which have been pretty minimal, and then other um, assistant coaches talking and, and potentially players at certain times, is that um, it's expect more efficient ball movement. So gone are the days of hanging on to that ball and a high disposal team, Jeff, because it's just not going to happen under McRae. Your thoughts there? Yeah, and look, you can see that who they put in the back line. Um, the, the the stalker in me was um, on high alert looking at all these training photos and there was a, the back six group getting together and thankfully the uh, social media manager got got the pick on on Twitter and we saw Pendles back there, um, Maynard, Howe, um, Crisp, so all good users of the football and mm. um, it's clear to me how they want to go forward uh, this season and how they want to play, um, especially Pendles is the obvious one because he rarely misses a target. So I've been thinking about that a little bit more. So when I was down, uh, went to pre-season training uh, late November, early December for a few times at Collingwood. So uh, Pendles was the straight up, he's coming off half-back line. So that was the early one. So, and I was thinking about more along the the team back six, how it would set on a um, game day situation. So for me, in in the back pocket is Quaynor, and the other back pocket is Maynard. At full-back, you've got Roughhead. And then you've got a half-back and that centre-half-back role, you've got Howe and Moore. And then you've got potentially a rotation between Crisp and Pendlebury. So that's why I was sort of a little, little bit big on Crisp spending more time throughout the midfield because, you know, if Pendles is going back, he's pretty much, you know, he's, he's going to minimise his centre-bounce usage. So I think that's the way it's going to set up now. I think Crisp, uh, Crisp is going to play a little bit more than Pendles, but they could alternate there as well. But then you've got other players to go into that back line as well. So... Um, really interesting setup at Collingwood at the moment, but you just really got to take into account that hanging on to the ball is no longer the case at Collingwood. I, I expect big change from what they have been used to being playing, Chip. Yeah, and, and it really affects how, how we select them. Like, I know there's a lot of Jack Crisp fans out there, and his defender status, and he's yep, obviously... Yeah, it... it it's going to pay off. we just got to watch it closely in the preseason, okay? We have to note it. I can't imagine um, McRae playing, you know, ducks and drapes and hiding his game plan too much in the preseason. They'll want to practice it from the get-go. Yeah. So let's take those notes. Um, and we're, you know, all of this right now is a bit of anticipation, but um, healthy uh, watch list nonetheless. Okay, the next team here, Jeff, is Hawthorne. Obviously, Sam Mitchell comes in as senior coach last year. Clarks have moved on. So what I've been able to get out of the Hawks um, is that they want to be more attacking. So they want so that actually goes back into uh, efficient ball movement. So the other thing is there is that I think 
that the Hawks are going to go into a highly contested uh, midfield situation. So we're talking about O'Meara in there, we're talking about Mitchell in there, and then there's one player that they drafted last year, uh, Ward, yep, uh, he looks elite to me. So I think if he gets opportunities in there, and I think that midfield is going to be a strong focus on that, I think we could see some high numbers coming in that mid- midfield. What do you think in there, Jeb? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's another that not many have spoken about, it's Finn McGuinness yep. from Hawthorne. And whether he plays Tagger, which is looking what it's potentially looking likely, um, he's, he's the stoppage and tagging player for Hawthorne, then um, there's potential there because he... He's a mid-forward at 311,000. Um, but, yeah, that's – look, it's great. Again, I think for us, a lot of love for Tom Mitchell for obvious reasons, but we've got to look at this collectively and, and with a bit of science. And Although Tom Mitchell is in, in ripping condition and obviously super fit right now, the game style and spending that much money on a primo is, um, is yeah, there's a TBA here because – if they're playing more direct, contestable, straight out, and you've got to throw Warpool in there as well, one of Sam Mitchell's disciples. So, yeah, there's a lot, um, lot of question marks. But, again, got to, got to note how the game style affects, A, the, the high-price premiums like Titch, and, B, the values like Warpool, um, you know, McGuinness and the like. Exactly. Okay, now we're going to talk about a few assistant coach changes, so how that impacts. So Geelong have actually had a pretty big turnover of assistant coaches. So what have we been able to get out of the Cats is that they're likely, again, and it's, it's most teams here, Jip, uh, fish and ball movement. Again, that's another one coming out of the Cats. But pre, keep an eye on pre-season because that may be a true indicator whether they've changed or not. What are you thinking there? Well, that one I find a bit hard to believe. I the, the older teams like Geelong and West Coast tend to play slower for obvious reasons. Um, so, yeah, jury's out on that for me. I, I, I will, let's wait and see and look at it. But um, And the other thing is Chris Scott's pretty damn stubborn, or it appears so anyway. So I can't really see them changing too much given their age demographic and um, and who's still in charge there. All right, so you mentioned West Coast there. That's one I've got up for next uh, topic of discussion here. So from what I've been able to get out, listening to interviews, and obviously, you know, I, I listened to a stack of interviews over the preseason just to get a gauge of where teams are going at. So out of West Coast, so they're wanting to use the corridor potentially more often. So gone potentially the days of Andrew Gaff hanging out on the wing and getting those plus sixes, so to speak, and then... You know, potentially they're looking to, to use that 45 kick into the corridor and then bang into the, the forward 50. Obviously, Jack Dar- Darling is sidelined for a little bit here. But if you got, like, Kennedy and Darling and, and Allen down there, whatever, why wouldn't you want to get it in quicker? So I think there's a little bit of a mindset change. Now, the Eagles have had a little bit of a turnover with their assistant coaches, and I think you're going to see a little bit more corridor and less out on the wings. Might be minimal, but I think it's going to be there this year. Jeb, thoughts? Well, even if it's minimal, it, um, it affects someone like Gaff's output, plain and simple. And look, as a, as a West Coast fan, I would love to see it. I've been screaming for it for a couple of years now. We play far too slow. And it just, um, when you turn the ball over playing slow, it kills you. It really does, especially in that back half. So get more risk on the field, um, penetrating inside 50 kicks, give um, the chance for the keys to get to it. And now, like... Look, people don't probably realise, but Willie Rioli was a big loss for West Coast over the last couple of years. Huge. Um, 
he he was instrumental in the 2018 season, especially in finals. So, uh, like, it, that all plays a part. Luke Ryan, uh, Luke Ryan, um, Liam Ryan, sorry, when he's fit and firing, he can cut up any team. So I would love to see that. And, again, the fantasy point of view, a lot of the talk about Elliot Yo and he's fine, by the way. He, he He's just getting managed at this time of year. But um, if they're not paying possession footy and we need accumulators in AFL fantasy, you've got to avoid them. Yeah, for me, uh, would be I'd be taking Yo. Um, for his contested type game, so it'll be the tackle. So he can have high tackle numbers, Jep. Oh, absolutely. He's the only engine room for, for West Coast right now. Um, if Shuey if is injured, like he's number one um, in, in the, in the um, inside mid. So, no, no, he's got a big role to play, and if he plays 22 games, his owners are going to be very, very happy. Yep. Okay, just last team... Before we wrap up this podcast back into preseason, is Port Adelaide. So Michael Voss out as midfield coach. So a bit of a restructure there at Port Adelaide. So Brett Montgomery comes in as midfield coach, and instantly on the agenda is we're spreading the load. So you know what? We're not going to rely on Boke anymore heavily. We're not going to rely on Wines anymore heavily. We're spreading the load. So. Obviously, that's good for players to come from the outside to the inside midfield, so you might see some spikes and some scores there. But if we're talking about Ollie Wines, can he repeat what his numbers were last year? I'd put a big question mark right on that now, Jeff. No, he, he, un, he's unlikely to do that. But it reminds me of Richmond. Like, I look at Richmond centre bounces sometimes. I'm like, who's in there? What? What's this combination? Like, it, it can be literally anything. And um, and that might be the way that Port Adelaide want to go, a bit of shotgun-style football. And um, obviously Butters presents value in fantasy and he can do some damage. But if it's in and out and swinging about and, and they're going to play a bit of chaos footy themselves, um, yeah, Wines ain't going to um, acute rack them up. Even Butters won't rack it up consistently. And I'm looking – consistency is a key word here. Um mm. We need players that consistently, day or week in, week out, get the 30 possessions, get the five, six tackles, get the five, six marks, and hit 110 plus. Yep. All right, so just one play on there that I think might be in the mix for Port Adelaide, Jackson Mead. So just keep an eye on him throughout the preseason. I think we might see him early in the year. So that's that. So now let's just relate what Brett Montgomery is doing at Port Adelaide. He wants to spread the load. Okay, yeah, that's fine. But now if we relate it back to what happened last year under Michael Voss as midfield coach, he didn't spread the load. It was his mainstays. Now I want to relate it back to what I said earlier in the podcast, that midfield for Carlton, yeah? If Voss is going to do yeah. the same as what he did last year, Port Adelaide, man, it's my three guys in the middle, and it's them. It's the, it's going to be them. I think yeah. there's an opportunity at Carlton, Jeff. I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on what I think is going to happen to these Carlton mids. So just really keep an eye on that. For, we're only pretty much going to get one or two looks at Carlton to see what they can do and then we've actually pretty much got to you know put our team together and off we go so yeah Port Adelaide spreading load potential issues for high scoring players but Voss into into Carlton you know that could be a focus on that midfield jet what are you thinking yeah no a thousand percent I I think about it from the playing safe point of view you know Vossi doesn't want to um, toy with the side too much in his first season. He already went to Brisbane for a few years and it didn't work out for him, unfortunately. So this time he gets a second bite. 
a second go at it. It's go he time. Yeah, he ain't taking risks. I'll no. give you the tip with the list. It's best players in, best players play. Yep. Oh, I agree with that. All right, Jeff, we're going to wrap up that podcast. Uh, we're going to record another podcast now, but we'll split that up throughout the week. So uh, check out that for a few days' time. So thanks for joining us on this episode, Jeff. Thanks, guys.